It's Mother's Day here in the UK today. Or as it was more traditionally known, Mothering Sunday. And there's a whole history behind that. International Women's Day was celebrated this past Thursday. So I felt my message should embrace the theme of mothers and women. And yet still, in grace, it is the word for the church. Talking about mothers can be a very emotive topic. And my intent is to bless you today with this message. At no point do I want to hurt anyone in any way, shape, or form. But I might say something that touches a nerve in you today for a reason that I do not even know about. God knows you. And if I say something that strikes a sensitive spot this morning, bring it before God and ask God to help you with it. There will be a time of ministry at the end of this message. And maybe you'll need to come up for ministry then. Mothers, all of us had one, or have one, or else we wouldn't be here today. But for some people, the person they call mom is not the woman who gave birth to them. There could be a number of reasons for this. Too many for me to talk about today. Now, I'm not one of those, so it's not that what affects, but it just breaks my heart for those that of the situation. Now trust and pray if the woman who raised you was not the woman who gave birth to you, that you were loved and well cared for by her, by that woman you call mom. Now if you weren't, I pray that you've had or are having counseling and prayer to help you deal with it. And if you haven't and need prayer for this, come up for ministry at the end of this message. Now when I say mother, we all have a picture in our mind most probably of the person who we knew as our mom, as our mother, however you want to address her, call her, whatever you want to call her. Some of us will have happy memories. Others will have not so happy memories. As we heard from Adi about two weeks ago, he spoke about his mom who had mental health issues. And his picture of his mom is very different from many of ours. And looking at Scripture, there's not too many... Stories about mothers, major stories about mothers. Um, there are lots of mentions of mothers, but they were short, and there's, there's not a whole lot that you could build something on. But when you read through the 1 and 2 Kings and 1 and 2 Chronicles, it's very interesting that, every, that the mother of every king is named. It's very interesting. They're all named. They're given a place of honor and position. Some of them were great mothers. Some of them weren't that great mothers. But looking at Scripture, as some people say, there's, there's not, a lot, not a lot to hang your hat on when it comes to taking out stories of that. So I'm not going to focus on any mother in particular, but I want to talk about the grace to be a mother. Now the church and the world desperately needs mothers. They also need fathers, but that's a message for another time. The church and the world need women who know and understand what it means to be a mother. God's intent at the beginning of time was that every woman was to be a mother. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says this. I'm going to read both the NIV and the message translation. The, 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 the NIV says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now the message translation is really great. It just, just captures something about this. It says, God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the seas, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. God God said, let's create human beings in our image and in our likeness, in our nature, reflecting our nature. Now, too many people have a male-only picture of God. He is God the Father, and we are taught to pray, our Father in heaven. But this portion of Scripture shows us that there is a female side to God as well. In verse 26, says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness. So God created man in his, own, in his own image. And that's interesting. It says, In his own image. Male and female. He created them. Or as the message says, Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. God created human, be- human beings. He created them godlike. Reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. Mankind is made in God's image and likeness, reflecting God's nature, which is male and female. God is not a man up in heaven. He's God who encompasses all of us, who has both male and female side. I love the imagery of the triune God found in the book, The Shack. If you haven't read it, it's a great read. And I want to read a portion of it. It's a fair bit from chapter 5. Mackenzie is on a journey. There's been a tragedy in his family. His daughter was killed, gone missing, believed killed. And he's on a journey to find what's happened and struggling with with God and all that is. And I want to just read here. Um, He's come across this shack and he's sort of gone into it. And uh, where am I here? Get the right place. It says, It was a place that Mac could only have imagined in his best dreams. And this made it all the more suspect. <clears throat> the sights were wondrous, the scents intoxicating, and his feet, as, as if they had a mind of their own, took him back down the walkway and up onto the front porch. He had gone into the shack, and then he had come out of there, and he was walking away when he, was, he turned around, and what he saw was very different from what he had gone into. And this is what he goes back to. What was a shack is now this um, like cottage, this uh, this wonderful place. Flowers bloomed everywhere, and the mix of floral fragrances and pungent herbs aroused hints of memories long forgotten. He had always heard that the nose was the best link to the past, that the olfactory sense was the strongest for tapping into forgotten history, and now some long-stored remembrances of his own childhood flitted through his mind. Once on the porch, he stopped again. Voices were clearly coming from inside. Mac rejected the sudden impulse to run away, as if he were some kid who had thrown his ball into a neighbor's flower garden. But if God is inside, it wouldn't do much good anyway, would it? 
He closed his eyes and shook his head to see if he could erase the hallucination and restore reality. But when he opened them, it was still there. He tentatively reached out and touched the wooden railing. It certainly seemed real. He now faced a dilemma. What should you do when you come to the door, to the door of a house, or a, or a cabin in this case? God might be. Should you knock? Presumably God already knew that Mac was there. Maybe he ought to simply walk in and introduce himself. But that seemed equally absurd. And how should he address him? Should he call him Father or Almighty One or perhaps Mr. God? And would it be best if he fell down and worshipped? Not that he was really in the mood. As he tried to establish some inner mental balance, the anger that he thought had so recently died inside him began to emerge. He no longer, concer- he, he no longer concerned or, care- or caring about what to call God had energized, sorry, no longer concerned or caring about what to call God had energized by his eye. He walked up to the door. Mac decided to bang loudly and see what happened. But just as he raised his fist to do so, the door flew open and he was looking directly into, into the face of a large, beaming African-American woman. Instinctively, he jumped back, but he was too slow. With speed that belied her size, she crossed the distance between them and engulfed him in, in her arms, lifting him clear off his feet and spinning him around like a little child. And all the while, she was shouting his name, Mackenzie Allen Phillips, with the ardor of someone seeing a long-lost and deeply loved relative. He, she finally put him back on earth, and with her hands on his shoulder, pushed him back as if to get a good look at him. Mac, look at you, she fairly exploded. Here you are, and so grown up. I've really been looking forward to seeing you face to face. It is so wonderful to have you here with us. My, 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 how I do love you. And with that, she wrapped herself around him again. Mac was speechless. In a few seconds, this woman had breached pretty much every social proprietary behind which he had so safely entrenched himself. But something in the way that she looked at him and yelled his name made him equally equally delighted to see her too, even though he didn't have a clue who she was. Suddenly he was overwhelmed by the scent emanating from her, and it shook him. It was the smell of flowers with overtones of gardenia and jasmine, unmistakably his mother's perfume that he kept hidden away in his little tin box. He had already been purchasedly on the precipice of emotion, and now the flooding scent and the attendant memories staggered him. He could feel the warmth of tears beginning to gather behind his eyes, as if they were knocking on the door of his heart. It seemed that she saw them too. It's okay, honey. You can let it all out. I know you've been hurt, and I know you're angry and confused. So go ahead and let it out. It does a soul good to let the waters run once in a while, the healing waters. But while Mac could not stop the tears from filling his eyes, he was not ready to let go. Not yet. Not with, with this woman. With every effort he could muster, he kept himself from falling back into the black hole of his emotions. Meanwhile, this woman stood there with her arms outstretched as if they were the very arms of his mother. He felt the presence of love. It was warm, inviting, melting. Not ready, she responded. That's okay. We'll do things on your terms and time. Well, come on in. Can I take your coat and that gun? You don't really need that, do you? We wouldn't want anyone to get hurt, would we? Mac wasn't sure what to do or what to say. Who was she, and how did she know? He was rooted to the spot where he stood, but slowly and mechanically took off his coat. The large black woman gathered his coat, and he handed her the gun. 
which she took from him with two fingers as if it was contaminated. Just as she turned to enter the cabin, a small, distinctively Asian woman emerged from behind her. Here, let me take those, her voice sang. Obviously, she had not meant the coat or gun, but something else, and she was in front of him in a blink of an eye. He stiffened as he felt something sweep gently across his cheek. Without moving, he looked down and he could see that she was busy with a fragile crystal bottle and a small brush. Like Like those he had seen Nan and Kate use for makeup, gently removing something from his face. Before he could ask, she smiled and whispered, Mackenzie, we all have things we value enough to collect, don't we? His little tin box flashed through his mind. I collect tears. As she stepped back, Mac found himself involuntarily squinting in her direction, doing so would allow his eyes to see her better. But strangely, he still had a difficult time focusing on her. She seemed almost to shimmer in the light, and her hair blew in all directions, even though there was hardly a breeze. It was almost easier to see her out of the corner of his eye than it was to look at her directly. He then glanced past her and noticed a third person had emerged from the cabin. This one, a man. He appeared Middle Eastern and was dressed like a laborer, complete with tool belt and gloves. He stood easily leaning against the door jamb with his arms crossed in front of him, wearing jeans covered in wood dust and a plaid shirt with sleeves rolled just above the elbows, revealing well-muscled forearms. His features were pleasant enough, but he was not particularly handsome, not a man who would stick out in a crowd. But his eyes and smile lit up his face, and Mac found it difficult to look away. Mac stepped back again, feeling a bit overwhelmed. Are there more of you? he asked a little hoarsely. The three looked at one another and laughed. Mac couldn't help but smile. No, Mackenzie, chuckled the black woman. We is all that, and believe me, we're more than enough. (coughs) Mac tried again to look at the Asian woman. From what he could tell, this wiry-looking person was maybe of northern Chinese or Nepalese or even Mongolian ethnicity. It was hard to tell because his eyes had to work to see her at all. From her clothing, Mac assumed she was a groundkeeper or gardener. She had gloves folded in her belt, not the heavy leather of the man, but the lightweight cloth and rubber ones like Mac himself used for yard work at home. She was dressed in plain jeans with ornamental designs at the fringes, knees covered in dirt from where she had been kneeling, and a brightly colored blouse with splashes of yellow and red and blue. But he knew all this as more an impression of her than from actually seeing her as she seemed to phase in and out of his vision. The man then stepped in, touched Mac on the shoulder, gave him a kiss on both cheeks, and embraced him strongly. Mac knew instantly that he liked him. As they separated, the man stepped back, and the Asian lady moved towards him again, this time taking his face in both her hands. Gradually and intentionally, she moved her face closer to his, and just as she was going to kiss him, she stopped and looked deep into his eyes. Mac thought he could almost see through her. Then she smiled and her sense seemed to wrap themselves around him and lift a huge weight off his shoulders, as if he had been carting his gear in a backpack. Mac suddenly felt lighter than air, almost as if he were no longer touching the ground. She was hugging him without hugging him, or really without even touching him. Only when she pulled back, which was probably just seconds later, did he realize that he was still standing on his feet and that his feet were still touching the deck. Oh, don't mind her, the big black woman laughed. She has that effect on everyone. I like it, he muttered. And all three burst into more laughter. And now Mac found himself laughing along with them, 
not knowing exactly why and not really caring either. When they finally stopped giggling, the large woman put her arm around Mac's shoulder, drew him to her and said, Okay, we know who you are, but we should probably introduce ourselves to you. She waved her hands with a flourish. I'm the housekeeper and cook. You may call me Elusia. Elusia? asked Mac, not comprehending at all. Okay, you don't have to call me Elusia. It's just a name I'm rather fond of and has particular meaning to me. So, she crossed her arms and put one hand under her chin, as if thinking especially hard. You can call me what Nan does. What? You don't mean? Now, Mac was surprised and even more confused. Surely this was not Papa who sent the note. I mean, are you, re- are you saying Papa? Yes, she responded and smiled, waiting for him to speak as if he were about to say something, but he was not at all. And I interrupted the man who looked to be about in his 30s and stood a little shorter than Mac himself. I try to keep things fixed up around here. I enjoy working with my hands, although, as these, as these two will tell you, I take pleasure in cooking and gardening as much as they do. You look as if you're from the Middle East, maybe Arab, Mac guessed. Actually, I'm a stepbrother of that great family. I am Hebrew, to be exact, from the house of Judah. Then, Mac was suddenly staggered by his own realization. Then, Jesus, yes. And you may call me that if you like. After all, it has become my common name. My mother called me Yeshua, but I've also been known to respond to Joshua or even Jesse. Mac stood dumbfounded and mute. What he was looking at and listening to simply could not compute. It was all so impossible. But here he was, or was he really here at all? Suddenly he felt faint. Emotion swept over him in his mind as his mind attempted desperately to catch up with all the information. Just as he was about to crumple to his knees, the Asian woman stepped close and deflected his attention. And I'm Sarayu. She said it as she tilted her head in a slight bow and smiled. Keeper of the gardens, among other things. Thoughts tumbled over each other as Mac struggled to figure out what to do. Was one of these people God? What if they were hallucinations or angels? Or God was coming later? That could be embarrassing. Since there were three of them, maybe this, could, maybe this was a trinity sort of thing. But two women and a man and none of them white? Then again, why had he naturally assumed that God would be white? He knew his mind was rambling, so he focused on the one question he most wanted to answer. Then, Max struggled to ask, which one of you is God? I am, said all three in unison. Mac looked from one to the next, and even though he couldn't begin to grasp what he was seeing and hearing, he somehow believed them. It's just an amazing description of God. When I first read that, I was just blows your mind to think, yeah, God is a black woman, but he's a man, but he's not, you know, and the Holy Spirit is just, just this, like, apparition that comes and goes, and Jesus, the gardener, you know, just so amazing, just such an amazing imagery, I love that imagery. Papa, or Father God, is a black woman. It blows your mind, doesn't it? I mean, that's his interpretation, you know, who knows what God looks like, you know. Jesus looked Arabs or Middle Eastern and the Holy Spirit is an Asian-looking woman. God is not a white male, as Mackenzie had thought. And I think for a lot of us who, who are white, that's how we think as well. I think we all see God in our own image. That's how God is, because we are created in His image. So if you are black, then God is black. If you are white, God is white. And that's what's so wonderful. God encompasses all of us. 
It's a great read, and it's very thought-provoking, that. I mean, it's an awesome book. If you haven't read it, it's a great read. Now, God created mankind and blessed them, instructing them to be fruitful and increase in numbers. In other words, have children. Populate the earth, become mothers and fathers. That was God's instruction to mankind from the beginning. Women were created to be mothers. Inbuilt into your being is the ability to be a mother, to nurture and care for other human beings. How many little girls do you have to teach to play with a baby or a doll? You know? They just love doing it. You don't have to teach them that. It's just a natural thing. They love to mother and care for people. It's inbuilt. It's in our nature. It's who, who God has created us to be. Now, there was a time when the only way to, to become a mother was to get married and have children. Now, in this fallen world that we live, it's not necessary to be married to be a mother. As a woman, you can choose to have a child even though you're not married. You can choose to be a single parent. Or you could be in a relationship but feel it's not necessary to be married to be a mother. This is the way of the world. God's plan is for man and a woman to commit to one another in marriage and then to procreate, to have children. And for those children to be raised in a healthy and loving family. I know it doesn't always work out this way. And what is so wonderful is that, is that God doesn't condemn us when we make mistakes, when we fail, when we stumble and fall. He loves us. He doesn't judge us, and we're not to judge one another. Each one of us comes from a different situation, circumstance. And God loves us. Now, I'm going to say something that might shock you at first, but please just hear me out. In the church, you do not have to be married to be a mother. Now, let me explain. There are many people in the church, and I'm, not, and I'm talking about the church universal, the church worldwide, who do not come from a place where they have experienced a healthy and loving family life. They come from single-parent homes, broken homes, being in foster care, from being abandoned as, as babies, from being orphaned, many different circumstances and situations. They might have never seen a healthy, loving family in their life before. But when they come into the church, it is the one place that they can and should experience it. They should experience the love of a family. We, Grace Vineyard, are a family. We are a family. Or we should be. And every congregation, every local church in the world is to be a family. We are a family or a clan within a tribe. Our tribe happens to be um, the vineyard. That's the tribe that we're part of. And the vineyard, alongside other tribes, makes up the church, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. Now, Jill and I have the privilege of heading up this family or clan, but that does not make us the mother and father. It makes us one of the mothers, one of the fathers in this family, because we need more than one mother and one father in this clan. Now, in this church, if you're not married as a woman, does it mean that you, cannot be a, that you cannot be a mother? No. You can be a mother to others without having a child or children of your own. There are many lonely people in the world today, and God cares about them and wants us to care about them too. As he adds them to us, we need to take care of them. They need mothers and fathers in their lives. Psalm 68, verses 4 to 6 says this. Sing to God. 
Sing praise to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord. And rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. God sets the lonely in families. And in the we call Grace Vineyard, as a woman, God gives you the grace to be a mother to those who need the nurturing and love of a mother. So don't think that you have to be married and have children of your own to be a mother in this place. As the church grows, there'll be more and more people coming in that need the presence of a mother in their lives. Are you willing to be a mother? Now, I'm not just talking to those that are over a certain age. Any of you young ladies can mother other people, whether they're younger than you or older than you. If they are new Christians, they are babes in Christ, they need mothering, they need fathering, they need taking care of. And God has commissioned each one of us. I was blessed to grow up with a loving and caring mother who, after my dad died, sacrificed Sorry, she sacrificed much for her three children. She was blessed to marry again and have a second marriage that was just as great as her first. She's still alive and living in South Africa, who aren't celebrating Mother's Day today, so I don't have to worry about sending her Mother's Day greetings just yet. That happens in May. She was a mother to more than just my brother, my sister, and I. Um, In our house, she was a mother to many of our friends who loved to be around her and around at our place. Because that, that way, mom, because of the way that my mom made them feel. When they came into her home, they were just like my brother and my sister and I. She loved them the same as she loved us. My mom was not soft or a pushover, anything but that. She was firm, with clear sets of boundaries, but she was always loving, and this is what friends loved about her. There were boundaries, but there was love. And that's how God is. In her own special way, she reflected God to us. She was always loving and caring. She was willing to sacrifice for us, but she set clear and firm boundaries. And if we stepped outside of those boundaries, we were disciplined, but we always knew loved. And our children have experienced her love as well. It's amazing. Got a wonderful mom. Now, mother's heart is special because it reflects the heart of God. Even though we so often speak about the father heart of God, it is so often the mothering heart of God that draws us into the kingdom. In the world today, there are many women who are hurting because they've never had the opportunity to be a mother for various reasons. They may have never married. Well, they might have married, but were never able to conceive. We might have been able to conceive, but we're never able to carry to term. They might have carried to term, but there were complications and the baby was stillborn. These are the mothers. And I think we all know some of them. These are the mothers whose children are already in heaven. And it's right that they should hurt and grieve for for these children. Just as we hurt and grieve over the loss of any loved one. But these are special mothers. And God loves them, especially. Just because you can't have children 
doesn't mean you cannot be a mother. God wants you to mother others in this church and in his kingdom. There is good news. In God's kingdom, there's grace for all women to be mothers. For all women to be mothers. Maybe not in the natural, but in the kingdom of God, you can be a mother to those who need to experience the leading, the guiding, the love, and the nurture of a mother. They need to, they need to, show, you, sorry, they need to show them that side of God's heart. That side of God's nature, as was given to you in the beginning of creation. Now, I want to pray for women today, for the grace to be a mother. Now, if anything I said touched a nerve and you had made you realize that you have issues that you need God to deal with, please come up for prayer. Make yourself available to be prayed for. Now, if you don't or didn't have a good relationship with your mother and need prayer, then also come up for prayer. God loves mothers. And he wants all you women to have that heart of his for other people, to be a mother who is nurturing, who is caring, who is loving, and who is special. Because you are all special. Let's pray. Father, You are a holy God who has the heart of a mother. Even though in Scripture we are told to call you Father, there's time, there are times when we need to know you as a mother, one who cares as only a mother can. For we are your children, your creation. We are a reflection of who you are, male and female. You love us. You care for us. You take delight in us. And Father, the, today I just want to ask that you would just pour your love out on all those people that, are, that have ever suffered any hurt because of either a bad relationship with their mothers or not knowing who their mother was or Whatever it might be, Lord God, you know our hearts. You know our situations. You know our relationships that we've had with our mothers. For those that need your gentle, caring touch, just pour yourself out upon them now. Release your pleasure and your love upon them. Release your joy and your delight. you, Father. Thank you, Father, that we know you have the heart of a mother within you and love us unconditionally. Thank you, Lord. Amen.